Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. All right, doing something a little bit different today as far as kind of the normal Bible verses that we choose and things like that, but I think you're going to find it interesting. This really spoke to me when I was reading it earlier this week, so hopefully you will enjoy it as much as I do. Um, so it, I think it's going to be on the screens, but uh, regardless, there were, and there, I think there still are, Bibles under your seats. Uh, I will refer back to this several times, and uh, so if you want to have it out and kind of know what I'm talking about, be able to look at the verses, probably be a good idea. We're going to be, believe it or not, in Leviticus, the Old Testament book of Leviticus, And we're mostly going to be in chapter 19, so you can turn to chapter 19, verse 9. Uh, As I read it, I'm going to read a little intro from verse 18, but then we'll jump into Leviticus 19, starting in verse 9. So here it is with the little intro first. Uh, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them that I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. And here's where we begin in chapter 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your field, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. All right, opening question for this morning, kind of a silly one, uh, but you'll see where I'm going with it in just a minute. Uh, so uh, you can jump on the live chat if you're worshiping at home, uh, or you can text your answer to 407-842-8884. Uh, opening question for today, uh, who is your favorite superhero and why? Uh, who is your favorite superhero and why? Again, you can use the live chat or 407-842-8884. Uh, it's pretty, I think I've made it over the years, pretty obvious uh, who mine is. Who's my favorite superhero? You guys could probably just shout it out. Batman. Batman. That is correct. Yes, it is, it is Batman. 
Uh, Batman is my favorite superhero, and one of the reasons he's my favorite superhero is uh, because he's just a normal guy. He's not really super at all. He doesn't actually have any superpowers. Now, uh, he's normal in the context of the story. Of course, he actually does things no human being could ever do. Uh, but, you know, in the context of the story, he's just supposed to be a normal human being. And I love that. I love the idea of a guy who's just a regular guy, but he puts himself on the line to help people, right, and to fight against evil. In fact, uh, there's a great scene in the last Justice League movie, uh, not the, depending on how much you know this stuff, not the Snyder cut, but the theatrical cut, uh, that I actually loved. People didn't like that movie. I thought it was pretty good. But there's a scene in that movie where Batman, and he's fighting like super-powered aliens, and he's fighting alongside of other super-powered people. There's like Wonder Woman, who's almost as strong as Superman. There's Superman, Cyborg, The Flash, Aquaman. All of them, these super-powered, indestructible people. And there's a scene in there where Wonder Woman goes into a room to kind of confront Batman because they've been butting heads over what they should do. And as she walks into the room, he's changing. They just got back from a battle, so he's like changing out of his Batman outfit. And he's taking his shirt off, and she sees his back. And his back is just covered in bruises and welts and scars. And in that moment, like you can tell, she came in to kind of yell at him. And she comes in and she realizes like, oh my goodness, like this is just a normal guy and he's fighting alongside of us, right? Uh, that's what I love about Batman. But did you know that not everyone loves Batman? And I don't just mean like, oh, you like Superman better, but I mean some people think that there are real problems with the character of Batman. That like what it really is is like this kind of vengeance fantasy where a rich, powerful elite goes into poor neighborhoods and beats people up, right? I, I heard him described this way once, that he is like only the police brutality part of policing, that he doesn't do any of the good things that police do. He doesn't uh, follow due process of law. He doesn't simply arrest people. He doesn't uh, do anything good in the community. He literally beats up criminals, beats them to a pulp. Now, you might think that that is kind of a skewed view of Batman. I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I'm obviously a fan of the character, but it does point out one thing. It points out that people's views of justice are different, right? That people's perspective on justice and what is good and right changes a little bit depending on how you look at it. And one of the things we're going to find today is that when we look at things in God's way, it also changes how we view justice and other things like mercy and love. Blake, we got some yeah. answers, favorite superheroes. We do. We have a few. Um, and I hate to tell you, but Marvel outweighs DC. <laughs> so we got one DC person, and that was Wonder Woman off Facebook. Uh, oh, there you Christy go. Christy said Wonder Woman. Uh, on Facebook as well, Lily Coombs said her favorite is Spider-Man because Tom Holland plays him. And uh, he can uh -huh, swing from uh -huh. webs. 
we have a couple Black Widows. Nathaniel also said Spider-Man because he's cool. Um, Kyle said Quill or Star-Lord. Oh, okay. Guardians there you of go. the Galaxy because he's like the Batman of Marvel as a normal guy until he realizes that he has powers. Who's, what was that last one? Uh, that was Star Lord from Kyle. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. That is, yeah. yeah. And That's... then uh, we got the Hulk because he's big and strong. Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy because <laughs> he's never afraid to speak his mind. Uh, somebody said Mighty Mouse. I don't know. That's debatable. oh Mighty Mouse. That's yeah, debatable. I remember that. Um, <laughs> and then of course Iron Man. Uh, and Sue Stark said that Tony Stark. But she said she really doesn't have one, even though she wrote Tony Stark. So, yeah. Sue, I think you do have one. Tony Stark, yeah, he's yeah, Iron Man. He's you know, yeah, yeah. Another normal guy, right? right? Now, he made a super-powered suit, but still a normal guy underneath. Yeah, he used so, his yeah. brains for yeah, it. Yeah, kind of cool. Yep. Uh, so, we see in this text, right? I said a minute ago, you know, like, what is our perspective on justice? Kind of, what is God's? And so, in this uh, text, we see, we do see things about justice, uh, it literally mentions it, but also ideas of mercy, uh, ideas of love. And really what God is doing here in this text is he's showing that he cares and that we should care uh, about people that are oppressed, right? That are oppressed in various ways, right? Whether through poverty or through being an outsider. Uh, in fact, we see over and over that idea of the outsider and the poor. In verse 10, it says, you shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. The sojourner, that's just a fancy word for like stranger, traveler, outsider, foreigner, right? That's who it was. That's the context of who we are talking about. And God shows he cares about those people. He cares about people that are oppressed, people that are uh, struggling, right? Because so once were his people when they were slaves in Egypt. And so God wants to make sure that they don't ever treat anyone the way they had been treated. And so he gives this long list of things that basically shows that we are to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. So we show mercy, first of all. This whole little bit about the, uh, the gleanings of the field and not taking everything, not stripping your vineyard bare, right? You're supposed to leave some. Leave some for those in need, for the poor and the outsider. In verse 11, it says, of course, we don't steal, right? We don't take things from other people. We don't take things that they need. We don't unlawfully take things from them, right? Uh, we don't break our word in verse 12. I know it talks about a little bit, you know, swearing oaths and things like that, swearing by God, using his name. But really, that also means we don't break our word. We keep our word. We are a people that values justice. Verse 13 literally says we should not oppress people. Uh, verse, also in verse 13, that bit about the wages, right? Don't withhold what you owe people, but give it to them. In verse uh, 14, it talks about uh, putting a stumbling block before the blind, and that seems like horrific. Like, what, how horrible would you have to be to trip a blind person, you know? But really what that's saying is that we don't take advantage of people's weaknesses. We don't take advantage of people's weaknesses. In verse 15 it says, we treat people fairly and justly. We don't, uh, we don't treat them different because of their station in life. 
And then it also talks about how we love one another in verse 16, right? We don't, it gives a list of things that basically tear down our neighbor. Don't do that. Don't tear down your neighbor. Verse 17 literally says, we don't hate our neighbor. If you find yourself hating someone, you're doing it wrong. We don't seek vengeance in verse 18. We don't hold grudges. How many of us do that, right? And then finally in verse 18 at the end, it sums it all up with this great statement that was frequently quoted by Jesus. We love our neighbors as ourselves. That really sums up all of this. We love our neighbors as ourselves. This is what justice and mercy and love look like in the kingdom of God. This is what justice and mercy and love look like under the reign and the rule of God. They look like these things. Second question for you. Didn't get a good response at 8 o'clock on this one, so I don't know. Is the question too tough or maybe? But uh, think back to when you were a kid. Uh, what was something you were required to do or a rule you had to keep or something that would happen to you that you thought was horribly unfair? that you just thought was not fair. Maybe your older brother or sister got something you didn't or vice versa. Uh, Maybe you had to follow a rule that made no sense. We kind of talked about that last week. But something that you had to endure as a child that you just thought was not fair. Uh, Text your answer to 407-842-8884. I'll give kind of both sides of this because that's a little bit what I'm getting at. Uh, So uh, I had a friend uh, that got in trouble with his family once he had a bunch of kids and uh, was married, obviously. And uh, what he did was he, uh, he, he bought uh, a package of Oreo cookies and then he hid them so that no one else could find them. And uh, what happened was his kids did end up finding them. And they were mad. They were like, they thought that was so unfair. They were like, how could you buy these cookies and not share them and just hide them and keep them all to yourself? And I remember his wife, and uh, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn, but I believe even my wife at the time was kind of like, yeah, that seems like, a, like not a good thing to do. Like, I can't believe he did that. And at the time, I withheld judgment. McKenna was little at the time. Uh, but now she's older, she's graduated, so she went through those teenage years and has, is still living at home, you know, and still has friends that come over, and I know what it feels like to go to the fridge to get that delicious ice-cold can of Diet Coke that I knew was there because I put it there myself, and then when I go to grab it, it's not there because someone else drank it and didn't replace it with another can. And so I have sympathy for my friend that hid his Oreo cookies, because I very well know that if he had not hidden them, the first time he went to have one, they would have already been gone, right? So what is fair? Uh, Blake, did we get any answers? Uh, what uh, do people have to endure that they thought was unfair? Uh, yes, we have quite a few. So making my bed every morning. Okay. I don't know. Uh, 
there's a couple answers. They're, they're kind of in-depth, but I'm just going to read them because I think it's good. There were two that were similar in this way. I always had to wait to a certain age to get something. For example, getting my ears pierced. Had to wait until I was 14. And as soon as I got mine done, my younger sister got hers done at the same time. Ah. So unfair. <laughs> so you yeah. have to wait, but then your sibling ends up benefiting as well. Uh, babysit my brother whenever my parents asked. Um, earlier curfew than my brother because I was a girl, so it was quote-unquote different. Uh, Nathaniel says not being able to get a phone. And then Kyle Williams, just a wonderful one. My parents loved me, and I had a charmed childhood. My mother is a saint, and my father is a smart aleck. Now you know how I am the way I am. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I, I, feel, I think that thing about siblings is true, and like, I sure. find that we, we only had one anyway, but it seems like in other people's families, like they're much more strict with the first child, and then by the time they get to the third one, like they just let them do whatever they want, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, that can seem unfair. Uh, I bring this up for a couple reasons, again, because of that perspective on what's fair and just, uh, but also the idea of taking the last little bit, uh, which is what my buddy was afraid of uh, was going to happen with his Oreo cookies. Um, one of the things that I think this whole kind of passage hinges on is that first little bit about leaving the edges of the field. Uh, free, not taking everything that you can harvest, not stripping your vineyard bare. What stops us from living as the people of God? We just got that and a whole bunch of other things in a list of what it's supposed to look like when we live out our lives as the people of God, but what stops us from doing that? What stops us from caring for others more than we care for ourselves or at least as much as we care for ourselves? Maybe it's just outright greed. I mean, that can be a thing, I guess. But even that, I think, has roots beyond it. And for me, what I think it really comes down to is exactly the story of the Oreo cookies. Why did he hide those? Because he was afraid if he didn't, they'd be all gone before he got to have any. See, really what's at the root of it is fear. Fear is what stops us, I think, from living out that generous, merciful, just, loving life as Christians, it's fear. You know what I was thinking of when I was reading that, the bit about the gleaning the fields? It reminded me of um, when I was a kid, and it actually didn't even happen to me that much. It was more that it happened to my parents. Uh, but you see it Maybe it happened to you, or you see it a lot in movies and old TV shows, and that's this. Uh, my parents would frequently be told when they were children, and they, it was dinner time, to clean their plate, right? You've got to clean your plate. Now, not wasting food is a good thing, obviously, but this idea of you've got to clean your plate, you've got to eat everything on your plate, where did it come from? Because also, it wasn't said to me that often, and I don't think I've ever said it to my child. But it was said to my parents all the time. And it was because their parents had lived through the Great Depression. Their parents had lived through a time when they didn't have enough to eat. And so when you did, you made sure you ate all of it. You didn't leave any leftover. The thing that keeps us from leaving the leftover bits of our fields and vineyards for other people 
is also that fear. We're afraid if we don't take everything we can, if we don't get everything that we can, that then we won't have enough. It's a fear mentality that keeps us from living generously. It's a fear mentality that drives us to oppress people and to take advantage of people. But that's not how we're supposed to be as the people of God. That's not how things are supposed to be in the kingdom of God. That's not how things are supposed to be under the reign and rule of God. Do you know who benefited from this law about leaving the gleanings behind? Do you know who was able to make use of it? Jesus. Jesus and his disciples. In Mark 2, uh, 23, it shows them doing just that. It says, One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Jesus benefited from what things are supposed to be like under the reign of God. See, Jesus humbled himself to be not the person that was leaving the gleanings, but the person that needed them. Jesus humbled himself to be poor, to be the sojourner, the stranger, the exile among us. First in the way that he was the Son of God and set a lot of his glory aside to become human. And he lived according to the very rules that God had made for people in his kingdom. And he did that to bring us salvation. He took upon himself that which he did not deserve. He allowed himself to be humiliated, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be tortured. You want to talk about justice? Jesus was falsely accused, given a sham of a court case, falsely arrested, and then falsely executed. And when he was executed, he was crucified. He died the ignominious death of a criminal because he was an outsider. You know, if you were a Roman citizen, even if you were convicted and sentenced to death, you weren't crucified, you were beheaded. They only crucified those people that weren't Roman citizens. The outsiders, the foreigners, the sojourners, And that's who Jesus was. But by going through all of that, he provided for us abundantly. He gave us forgiveness of sins because he paid the price for our sins. He gives us new life through the resurrection. He empowers us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and he gives us hope for the future. And that frees us from fear, and allows us to live as his people. And you know, for us, uh, what does that look like? Because it doesn't just look like us going to church. It also changes how we are in our jobs and our homes and our communities. Because when we realize how God takes care of us, how he provides for us, And we see it in the rules that he set down for his people so long ago. And we see what Jesus accomplished for us. We can set aside fear. 
Fear that we're not going to have enough. Fear that we're not going to be taken care of because we see how God takes care of us in his kingdom. And so we don't need to live in such a way that we put ourselves and our own needs first. Instead, we can show mercy and justice and love for our neighbor. And we take that, we take those principles of the kingdom, that reign and rule of God with us, wherever we go, not just to church. We have this idea in our, our, our network. We uh, have these things that we call the pillars. There's philosophical uh, pillars that we base everything on, and one of them is creating canopies of God's reign, little areas where we bring with us the reign of God, and it can be your business, it can be your home, it can be your hobbies and fun things that you do. Wherever we go, we are the people of God and we bring those things. And so a a, a Christian business person knows they can put people ahead of profits. They can find unique ways to use their industry and their skills to care for people. Christian leaders can lead with servant hearts, not being worried about holding on to power and authority. And we can always impact the community around us by taking care of the poor, by advocating for justice, by showing mercy to the people that society rejects. Living as the people of God under the reign of God changes our perspective, changes how we view people and relationship, it changes how we view finances, changes how we view justice. It changes life itself. And in his name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.